You are listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, a Canadian guide to building dependable wealth. Join your hosts, Richard Canfield and Jason Lowe, as they unlock the secrets to creating financial peace of mind in an uncertain world. Discover the strategies and mindsets to a financial future that you can bank on. IBC is not so much about going down a rabbit hole as it is about as it is moving laterally, shifting your paradigm. Right, mm-hmm. right. Uh, that the the problems, the, the objections you raise themselves will change once the paradigm has been shifted. Right, right. So I find that I and I love it. You know, be on the phone and you know they, they say, "Well, I was going to ask you this, but then I thought da 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 da," and it's like. I ain't even got to tell you, you already know, right? <laughs> they, they made this way. And that's what I love too, is that I'm sure, I'm sure it's true with your clients. It's true with mine is that they're not dependent on us. So often in the financial community, uh, advisors and agents in the mainstream conventional community, and I'm sure they don't do it on purpose. I assume angelic intentions all the time. Uh, but often a consequence of the mainstream approach to finance breeds a dependent relationship. The individual doesn't know what they bought, they don't know what they own, and so they're dependent upon the agent, the advisor, or the company to explain it to them down the road. Right. And I, I mean, I fear that. I, I don't ever want that to happen. I tell my people, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I want you to know what you own, why you own it, and how to manage it. Well, and, and that, the, and that I, book, I, that ninety-two page book, will help uh, help enhance that every time. If something happens to me, go to the book. Go to the book. You know, yeah. there's there's so many resources available to help uh, grow and and empower people to be in that control position and make those command decisions about their own financial life. Uh, versus, as you uh, you know, again, as that dependency that you you've identified. And I agree with you. I think that is a almost a, it's almost a, an unintentional consequence of a systematic problem in the typical financial world. Well, yeah. and, and for, for advisors who are tuning into this episode as well, one of, one of the things that they would be well advised to do is to really hear, really hear what we're sharing because when you close the loop on, if you, if you approach it from the, the vantage point and, and the thinking of a product, mm. then all that your client is going to remember is what they purchased from you, not why. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand the problem, the solution just doesn't matter. And you will run into experiences with clients. We, we have experienced that where we, we, we have a periodic uh, meeting and questions are come up in the meeting or conversation is had where it's very clear to us that they've lost the, mm. the, the process. And so we have to kind of go back and revisit those those things to to make sure that they remember why they're doing it. Yeah. And we can really be the author of our own misfortune there if we don't resist the urge to to go to the product. Hey, let's look mm-hmm. at look at the dividend that you were paid this year and let's take a look at how that's increased the value of your policy versus having discussion around what specific things are you planning to do this coming year? to implement the process as it relates to your own needs. Let's have a conversation around the process. Yep. And how are you going to go about, you know, achieving that objective that you've just described to me? And how much ready access capital do you have? And have any opportunities been tracking you down? Is there anything that you're considering? And can we have a discussion around that? Mm-hmm. And 
you know, it's just, uh, again, the approach is, is just so important because the people that, that connect with us, particularly from the advisor community, they've read the book maybe once, maybe partially, maybe, they've, maybe they, <laughs> they've consumed some content and maybe an advisor will listen to this and get inspired to take the next step, which would be amazing, which would be great. And, yeah. but we want to reinforce, like, I mean, we, I, I'm going into my 13th year of my journey with this process in so in July this year it'll be 13 years and I'm I'm still learning every yeah. single day mm-hmm. and there's no escaping the time the study the connection to folks like yourself Ryan and other people in our community there's no escaping the necessity for that you can't read the book once and and say with any degree of intelligence that you get it like I understand it. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have a glimpse into the possibility of what it can be, and, and yeah. you you and probably the realization that you should you should look more, you should dig deeper, you should you know continue to enhance, and that's one of the things I loved about you know Nelson and some of the conversations you, you talked about the seen versus the unseen, Ryan, and um, you know I, I reflect back on uh, it's actually available on YouTube on the Nelson Nash Institute YouTube channel. Uh, a live session that he did for, I think it was a Freedom Advisors event. And he went over his very first policy with State Farm that he got when he was 29 years old, I believe. And he talked about, you know, what that policy did. But he said, what, what you, this is what you see with the policy, but that's not what mattered. Oh. Two, two of the most profitable real estate deals I ever did in my whole life came from policy loans because I had access to capital because yeah. of this one policy, which I didn't buy for infinite banking. I bought for a death benefit to protect my family and I was still able to do all those things. And I, and I even did it wrong for the first 15 years because I didn't know what I was doing and on and on and on. And in that one session, it's about an hour long video. He's like, what's, what's the value uh, on me being able to go and buy that piece of timberland at 34 cents on the dollar and then sell it, you know, 15 years later to somebody finance it at 15% interest for 10 years you don't see those numbers on the policy statement. <laughs> yeah. What's the rate of return on that? That's right. That's right. You know, match that up with the mutual fund. You know, Nelson <laughs> used to do these, uh, Nelson used to do these two day, 10 hour seminars. And I went to a couple first one in 2016. And of course, after he passed, that really stopped. So I now do, I did two last year, started just last year. I still do them a two day, eight hour seminar. Very similar from becoming your own banker. It's four other agents, right? Another agent sponsors it. Their people are their people. I'm just there to teach it and whatever. And so to kind of continue and might hopefully to a, you know, less, lesser degree, but to still attempt to do and, you know, same, similar pricing and all that to try to stick to what Nelson did and what he did for other agents. Uh, And I saw the reason I mentioned that is I tell that very story at the end is that, and I show excerpts from building your warehouse of wealth where he goes into that very example uh, and talks about uh, what he, what, what he was able to do, the hundred acres of timberland he was able to borrow, or I'm, I'm sorry, able to finance, able to borrow from the life insurance company in order to finance. Uh, it's a great story. And it, and so often, you know, that, that is the unseen, you know, that's not show me, well, show me where that is on the illustration. You know, I, James tells a story that Nelson was uh, uh, hesitant to put illustrations in that book, to put illustrations in becoming your own banker. Mm-hmm. And at first, when I first heard that, I'm like, what? Like that, those, that, those are so crucial. And as I've grown and developed further, it's like, I really, I get it. It's so, we're so human beings are, we have the, uh, 
innate proclivity to get hung up on what we can see, what we can touch and feel. And at the, at the neglect, you know, at the expense of the unseen of, of, and, and unfortunately or fortunately, whichever your perspective, the unseen is what motivates so much of what happens in life, right? It's, it's such a integral part to our, our day-to-day seen experience. Right? But if we don't take account of, if we don't acknowledge, if we don't develop our awareness to grasp often intellectually or abstractly the importance of the unseen, you know, uh, I talk a lot about capital, right? The, the, the idea of becoming your own banker, uh, in my mind, uh, assumes capital having built, been built somewhere. Well, capital itself is an abstract idea. Right. You can't see and touch capital, but by gosh, it's important. You know, that, that's how we finance the deal. That's how, you know, that, that's what a, a, the cash value and a dividend paying whole life insurance policy is. It's capital and it, yep. it's going to have a tremendous impact. And so I think for, uh, you mentioned other agents and agents who might be watching, Jason, you know, oftentimes there's this and I see it everywhere and I try to not get upset about it, <laughs> but there's this uh, tendency to want to sell from the illustration right? I want to get a dividend paying whole life insurance illustration in your hot little hand fast. You know, before the first hour long call is up, I'm emailing you an illustration. Right. And people say, I think the initial presumption is, well, of course, you know, I've got to show, I've got to give something that they can look at and all of this. And I get that. I hear that. But just understand that selling from the illustration, I say this, an illustration can be a source of clarity if the proper education has been done, if it hasn't, then an illustration is a source of confusion right. or worse, potentially dependency, potentially distraction, mm. right? right? Because the agent, you know, the, the individual, the agent who wants to sell from an illustration, who wants to convince or persuade the client to buy based on what's on the page, that agent is indulging that desire for a dependent relationship that it, that that agent has no idea if the individual client actually understands not only what's on the page, but the typically far more important things that are not on the page, right? Like we talked about the whole unseen, all the possibility, uh, you could get into other things, you know, recognition policy or the, the uh, number of consecutive years the company's paid a dividend, you know, where's that on the page, right? It's not there. So much so much that's valuable that matters for becoming your own banker is not on the page. And so, and I get it, you know, especially for, I was there, you know, a new young person starting in the business or a a new older person starting in the business who, who wants to get to make a sale to feed their family. Like I, I get that. Right. And so there's a, there's a, an urge to cut corners to, to, to not pay, pay your dues to, to do what you said, uh, Jason, and, and not, be a part of the community, to not reread Nelson's book, uh, to not insist that the client reads the book. Right. You know, all of these things that, yes, they're going to take time. And yes, the last thing that happens is you're going to get paid, right? And yes, it, it could, who knows how long it's going to take, but by gosh, if you don't lay the educational foundation first, then what you're not doing, you're not gaining a client. You're purchasing a liability right. because down the road, it's going to cost you. The policy will lapse. They'll stop paying the premium or more than likely they'll call you up and it's, I'm, I'm about to write this massive check, right? For whatever it is, for whatever individual financial situation it is. And why am I doing it? <laughs> can, right. you, can you explain to me again what I'm doing and why? Uh, so well, it's just a time a, 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 drain. 
a few additional things come up for me. You know, if you, if you have the very best tool for the job and you put that tool in the hands of an incompetent, mm. not only are they not going to turn out any good work with the tool, they're likely going to break the tool. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, I, I heard something at a um, Joe Polish uh, genius uh, event that really resonated with me. Somebody just said in all simplicity, they said, you know, a shovel doesn't dig a hole. Think about it. And Nelson would always say, everything begins with the way that we think. And if yep. you catch this, if you truly understand the problem, the solution will become very clear and you will know exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that as, as our client community, Ryan, just to, to share with you as you're progressing on your journey as well, as our client community continues to expand and to grow, uh, you know, today it's become quite enormous. And we find that there's a real desire on our part to continually ask ourselves, what are, what are some additional things that we could be doing to add value to our client community to continue to reinforce the process, to expose them to other practitioners of the process who might have a great you know, idea or something to transfer within the community. And the other thing that we have been discussing, Richard and I quite extensively, is we were reminded of Nelson saying, you know, when I first got underway with educating the general public about this process, I began by doing uh, a seminar for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized very quickly that it just was not enough time. Nope. It, it was just not enough time. And so I literally smiled beyond ear to ear when I saw your posts about the, uh, you know, the seminar that, that you're doing and that it's, you're, you're really carrying on the, the tradition and, and the legacy of how Nelson delivered that message to the general public and the time that it took to really get it across. And we are reminded that at no time during that delivery of that seminar did Nelson ever reference a policy illustration. Right. It's actually the very first paragraph in the book. This is the workbook for a 10 hour seminar. (laughs) It's the very first paragraph. (laughs) And so we, you know, we are, we feel drawn and and we feel pulled back to that because we, we delivered uh, a seminar years ago for many years uh, it was a Friday evening and a full day Saturday, and then we worked to try and compress it. How do we get this to a, you know, a, a four hour or a half day so we can run two in a day? And I, I think that we really have to go back to the importance of spending the time necessary upfront to educate the general public. And for the people who catch it, they'll know what to do. And for the people who don't, we never give up on them, ever. Right. We get contacted co- constantly from people who say, hey, do you remember that seminar that I attended back in October of 2015? You know, I'm, I'm ready to go now. Yeah. Mm. Years later, people will reach out and they'll yeah. say, I've been thinking about this and I think I'm, it's the right time for me now. And so, it, you know, the, an idea sits with you and it goes back to another thing that Nelson would say, you know, you can't, um, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase this, but you, you, it's hard to unsee something once you've seen it. So give give yourself time to ruminate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. That's it. That's exactly right. And I found in that two day, eight hour deal is that that's not enough. 
Um, I had a whole, in the first one I did, it was in June of last year in Northern California. And I had a whole section at the end on Austrian economics and the business cycle. And sure enough, hour eight rolls around and I, I didn't even got to it. Right. It's like, there's no way. And I have a, an unexpected um, turn of events has been with the podcast with Banking with Life is that current clients watch it. Right. And it's become a method, a, a, a resource for them to continue to improve their own education Yeah, and to continue to stay involved. And we can get spiritual with it. You know, I became a Christian in October of 2017. And um, I believe that God's called us to work. And that's the first thing that man had to do after being thrown out of the garden is the man's got men got to work and the women are going to have labor pains. We'll say. But it's an integral point being it's an integral part of the human condition is to continue to do the work. And so, and so that's another, mm, I see the, the ones who the folks out there and hate to continue to go back to this, but the folks out there who make the sale or I I call them, James calls them orphans, you know, the uh, individual clients who had a relationship with an advisor and that advisor moved on or whatever, did something else with his life. And now that individual is an orphan. Yeah. Or, or the individual um, had an advisor, might still have one. The advisor still might be in the same position, but that advisor maintains no continuing relationship with the client. Right. I call, I call those unfortunate souls refugees. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're with their, a man without a country, a man without an advisor. You know, yeah. they're, they're looking for And so it's a, I have discovered that myself. I think you're so right that it's, a, the, it's, not, it's on us. It's on the, and I believe this. I'll say this too, and there's implications to this, but I believe it is the agent's responsibility to provide the educational resources and tools. The agent. Amen. Not anybody else. Not yeah. associated individuals or I'll leave it there. It's the agent's I, I, responsibility. I love that you said resources and tools because resources is something you can tap into and, and tools are things that you can use. But the end of it, it goes back to the individual having the ability, the responsibility if you want to tap into it. You've got to mm-hmm. take on if you're the client or you have to take on the the desire and, and, and to want to go and utilize those tools and, and tap into those resources yeah. because they're available, they're out there. And, 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 and you need to be encouraged by the, by the agent, the advisor to, to, to tap into those things because you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. I love something that you said, Ryan, and uh, forgive me. I can't recall the, uh, the episode or the, um, the commentary other than you, you said something so brilliant. You, you held up a, a copy of the book or you referenced the title, Becoming Your Own Banker. And you said, listen, this is really all about the two most important words in this book title is your own. <laughs> this is about becoming your own banker. Your own. Yeah. Not and me. <laughs> right. And so, you know, we, we share with folks and, um, you know, this is, uh, this will be valuable to our listeners. You know, we share with folks that, as, as, a, as a coach, and Nelson would always say, you need to have a good coach. And mm. we, we expanded on that and share to this day that as your coach, we're responsible to you, not for you. Mm. And that just, it just really seems to, to click and, and to resonate with folks because it's, um, it, it really is an ongoing, it's not a transactional Hey, here's a policy. You pay your premium. The advisor gets remunerated. Um, we wish you well. 
and hope, hoping that you have success with this, uh, with this tool where presently, for lack of better description, you're an incompetent and you have the best tool for the job in your hands. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand how to use it, you're not going to turn out any good work with it. And so I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's our responsibility to be providing those resources and tools, hands down. And, and, and on that note, something that I really wanted to make sure we could capture in our call today with you, Ryan, that, that mm-hmm. it's, been way, it's been on my mind because I've had conversations, really good one-on-one conversations with clients about this. And you, you always refer back to capital and, and, and also capitalization itself. And, and in your talk at Think Tank, and we'll put, we'll put links to that, uh, the video that you have in the show notes uh, for us, cool. for, for any listeners. But you did a great comparison and bullet points. I just thought was so great summarization. I'd love to get your, you maybe to just sort of reference that on the call here today is the, the difference between capitalization versus investment and how, mm. how they're different. And, and they're almost yeah. like the antithesis of one another. And I thought that was so profound when I, when I, when I saw you do that, it really, really resonated with me a lot. So I'd love you to speak to that. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, the, uh, when I put that slide up, half the room grabs their phones and have to take a picture of it. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like, guys, I'll send you the slides. It's okay. Uh, uh, and then that, as I was putting that together, that distinction just jumped off the page at me. It's like capitalizing is essentially the, the inverse, the converse, the opposite of investing. Right. And so a couple of the uh, ways you can sort of see that and get your arms around it, you know, with investing, the whole idea is that you give up control of the money. You're, in, you're giving it to somebody else, right? To whomever, the fund, mutual fund manager, the, the bar, whoever you're giving it to, you're giving it to, they're gonna go use the money, right? They're gonna go generate that return, whatever it might, or hopefully generate a return, right? And hopefully they'll give it back to you uh, eventually. Well, with capital, if you're capitalizing, if you're accumulating capital that you expect to use at some point, well, in order to use it, you might want to have access to it. <laughs> you might want to be able to obtain it, right? So the whole idea is the opposite of investing. I don't want to give up control. I want to retain. And in fact, I want to maximize that control. And I would prefer if that was all by contract. And I would that's, prefer, that's brilliant. I, I would prefer it to be a unilateral contract. I would prefer <laughs> yes. it to be the residual claimant of the company on the other end of that contract. <laughs> you know, I'd prefer... Uh, uh, you could make a list of all the ways I'd really like for that to that situation to be. And mm. it's like, Oh my gosh, dividend paying whole life. There it is. Yeah. Right. And so that's one, one element is, is the retention and maximization of control. Whereas with investing, the whole point is to, is to give it up. And so we kind of, the next point there, well, in the investing world, there's no guarantee, right? They, you might get that money back. You might get a return, right? It, the, person in whom you've invested, obviously you expect to get, receive a return from them at some point, right? And not just a return on your capital, but a return of your capital, right? Yep. Hopefully, but no guarantee. However, if we turn over to the other side in the capitalization world, we do have the possibility to achieve guarantees, right? There is a way in which, now there's ways not to, right? There are other assets. You could, James says, you can bank with anything, you could borrow against the equity in a house. You can do it with a business. You can do it with farm equipment, whatever you, you know, whatever you please. There are other assets in which you can implement a capitalization strategy. It speaks to the point. It speaks to the point brilliantly that 
Nelson used to always say that your money must reside somewhere. Has to. You've got a primary residence. I've got a primary residence. You know, if it, I know James expanded on this in the Banking with Life DVD he made once that, you know, I, I might leave my house to go take advantage of an opportunity to visit somebody, to go on a vacation. But sure enough, I'm going to come back to that primary residence at some point. And your money is the same way. It's going to go somewhere. It's probably right now it's going to a bank and that banker, like you mentioned earlier, Jason, you know, with retelling that story of how Nelson was talking about who that bank's putting that money to work for, you know, the bank or that wherever your money is currently residing, that institution is probably, if they're profitable, they're, they're allowing others to participate in that profit. And it's probably not you, right? <laughs> they're probably not sending you a dividend. <laughs> right. The only reason your bank might send you a dividend is because you might happen to own stock in that bank. Right. But most people don't. And come on, how many people when choosing who to bank with and what stock to buy go through that process? It's like, no, nobody, nobody does that. But it, it might, it, it would be nice if they did send you a dividend. And in fact, if they sent you a dividend, not because, uh, you know, you searched out a company in which to invest, but instead because you wanted to accumulate capital in one of the most financially conservative, most dependent, most uh, some of the longest running institutions in the world, and right? most solvent, and <laughs> and and not and not because it's magic either. Right? Right. It's, it's by nature of the product, yeah. right? actuarial the, design. Yeah, yep. they're making a promise to pay in 50, 60, 70 years, right? That uh, Honda knows that that car is going to my last Honda failed after 10 years. Okay. It's, it's not a 70 year promise that uh, in this case, the auto manufacturer uh, is, right. is offering is selling right in almost no other business is the nature of the product itself. So long-term oriented, right? It's, it's really only in life insurance. I mean, what my point is here and going back to Richard, your point about the difference between capitalizing and investing, you know, you could make a laundry, it, you could make a laundry list, of all the things that you would prefer if we first acknowledge the importance of capital, the fact that you will need capital throughout your life and that you might want some too to take advantage of life's opportunities, right? Yeah. You could, if you acknowledge that, which I think is really the problem and is we don't acknowledge that, at least in the financial community, that that's, we don't acknowledge that that is really the thing to address, right? The need and the usefulness of capital or for capital. But if we do it, if we acknowledge it, and then we think about, well, gee, how might I go about pursuing that? How might I go about implementing a strategy to achieve that goal of having superior access and ownership of capital, access to and ownership of capital? So you lay, if you could lay out all those lists uh, or lay out that full list, you know, the guarantee, by contract, uh, private property, no government involvement, uh, under my ownership and control, I can, I can personally affect by my own action, I ain't got to ask permission. I don't care what the economy's doing. I don't care what interest rates are. I don't care what the latest Federal Reserve chairman had to say this quarter. I, none of that bothers me. I know that when I pay a premium, the value of my cap, not only the value of my, not only is the value of my capital going to go up in the short term, the value of my capital for the rest of my life will go up over for the, the so that the, the access and the degree, the quantity of capital and the access to it that I have over my lifetime increases. I can do that. And I tell people the, the, the greatest factor that contributes or that, that causes growth in your policy is you, your premium payment. I love it. That, that ties on. in something that Bob, Bob Shields would say, uh, so you did okay if you lived? 
did you do okay if you died? <laughs> yeah. And, and he, he would also say if you, and he would, he would really express this in, uh, if you had the opportunity to know Bob, a heavy he had Scottish accent, very heavy Scottish accent. And he would say, if you want to save money, repay your policy loans. Uh-huh. If you truly want to save money, repay your policy loans. Mm. And that, that was just a, just an aha, you know, mm-hmm. brilliant, brilliant moment from him. And, you know, we can't forget too. I mean, the tool itself, it does have a, uh, a death benefit uh, associated with it. And, and Bob would tell us, you know, I wish, I wish that everyone could die once for a week and see the financial <laughs> problems that they leave behind. Oh my gosh. Oh. And so on that note, Ryan, we would love to have you back on the show. And uh, I would wager that our listeners are going to leave feedback um, requesting the same. Having you with us today was just uh, amazing. I know Richard's going to include a lot of links to some really valuable content. How can people stay in touch with you, Ryan? We understand you have a newsletter. And before we get to that, are we able to convince you to share with us, unless you've already made it public knowledge, what is the theme of your dissertation? Oh, my. Uh, I'm <laughs> how much time we got? Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to uh, build the sort of the, the theoretical groundwork for an Austrian financial economics. So a lot of what passes for financial economics these days, uh, it comes out, it ha- so happens to come out of the University of Chicago in the mid 1950s. And it's, uh, it's certainly not from an Austrian perspective. And I think that, um, I think one of the reasons that IBC is not, as well known in the financial community is because of that, that, that lack of understanding of the importance and the need for capital. And I think the reason that that's not there is because we haven't done the intellectual work to go about demonstrating scientifically uh, what it is and why it matters. And so that's, that's really the goal to develop, to criticize mainstream financial economics, conventional financial economics from an Austrian perspective, and then from the pieces build at least the groundwork for uh, an Austrian style financial economics. So oh, that's very cool. uh, very cool. love it. L- and then, love it. Yeah. So, uh, Richard, any, <laughs> any uh, part, parting comments for our listeners before we get to the hero question? Well, I just, you know, I just, I think everyone, you know, you know, definitely want to tune into banking with life podcast. Uh, Ryan has an unbelievable blog at media. If you go to medium.com forward slash at Ryan D Griggs, that's at Ryan D. Griggs, phenomenal blog there. And I think you can access it on his website, which is griggscapitalstrategies.com. We're going to put some links to those in the show notes, but uh, it's very refreshing to have Ryan part of our movement. I know Nelson had in some of my conversations with him, especially when we were doing the documentary film, he had identified how he, he was particularly uh, intrigued and and excited about you know that, that, that Bob Murphy had been able to connect with you and, and bring your youthful energy, your yep. passion and exuberance for the Austrian's mindset and, and, and to, to capture the essence of IBC so quickly. Um, he just felt that you would be a really uh, a core aspect of the future of the movement. So that's something that was my takeaway. Wow. And I just want to share that with you. Wow. I really appreciate you saying that. I didn't know that. And I didn't said that. Thank you. Wow. It's such a great episode. Thank you so much again, Ryan, for being with us. And one of the things that we do with uh, every one of our guests on our show is we end the show with a, uh, a question. And I'll, I'll just preface the question by saying that not 
all heroes wear capes. And so you, you might think of yourself as a hero, but every time you create value for other people, you're benefiting and making life easier for them in some way. And by identifying, you know, the key audience that you want to create value for, you focus on the most crucial people in your life and helping them to grow their capabilities. And you're also growing your own capabilities as well. And so our parting question to you is, who do you want to be a hero to? Oh my gosh. Who do I want to be a hero to? I've had a Nelson and Bob are the exceptions to this, but I've had a difficult relationship with heroes in the past. You don't always want to meet your heroes. Um, It's not that you never want to meet your heroes. Sometimes you, it's not good to, but other times, of course, it changes your life like Nelson did for me. Um, Who do I want to be a hero to? I, I don't, I don't, when I'll tell you what I thought of when you said the question, because I don't view, I hope I don't, I don't think of myself in, the, in those terms. And if someone thinks that I'm honored and grateful, but um, what I thought of, so I, in, when I lived in Lubbock, I, I did a CASA court appointed special advocates for kids removed from their homes by CPS. And I had a, my, the kid that was assigned to me, uh, he was 17 and he popped up in my mind when you asked that question. So to him. Wow. Ryan, thank you. It was an honor to have you on our show. We look forward to having you back again. For all of our listeners, again, again this is Ryan Griggs. Uh, we will post all the resources for you to stay connected to him and uh, keep an eye on this gentleman. He's, uh, he's going places. So thank you again, Ryan. We appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into another episode of Wealth Without Bay Street. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, where your wealth matters. Be sure to check out our social media channels for more great content. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and be sure to rate the show. We definitely appreciate it. And don't forget to share this episode with someone you care about. Join us on the next episode where we continue to uncover the financial tools, strategies, and the mindsets that maximize your wealth.